Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chelsea, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Ladies and gentlemen, Rahul and I are in the same time zone, so maybe it's a good thing, maybe it's a bad thing, but we've been busy, so we apologize. We've not been able to get the episodes out in a timely fashion, but all jokes aside, Rahul, how have you been, my friend? I've been good. I've been doing well, busy with work. Um but I'm glad we're on the same time zone and hopefully we'll get to meet tomorrow. Hopefully we get to meet tomorrow and discuss that while we're doing well in life, maybe we're not doing so well in the Carabao Cup final. That's how we're going to open today? I, I guess so. I was trying to stay away from that. That's why I didn't, when I gave how I was doing, didn't go into it. But yeah, we let, let's talk about what we're here to talk about. Listen, we have to cover it. It's one of those where it was an important game for the season. We've talked a little bit about it and in past, I must be honest, I've raised my hand and said, it's a Mickey Mouse Cup and we don't really care. But that was the Chelsea of old. Listen, the Chelsea of new, that was a very important cup for us. It was something that we wanted to win to maybe set the standard, maybe help break the curse that we've talked about with Pochettino and maybe Tottenham not winning anything and a young team. But unfortunately, it's not to be. But let's just review the game like we usually do and kind of go through. Uh, uh, Mickey Mouse Cup would be good for our young squad. That's true. It's like watching Disney Channel for them at this point. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Once you take us through the starting eleven, let's break that up. Yeah, so Petrovic in goal. Uh, no surprises there, even though Sanchez has been back for a few weeks now. He continues uh, continues to play. Gusto, De Sassi, um, I'm forgetting, Colwell as the second center back, and then Chowell, captain, uh, left back. Caicedo, Enzo, Conor Gallagher make up the midfield two, three, whatever you want to call it. Palmer, Sterling, and Jackson. Yeah, so listen, I think when you and I have talked, even though we didn't record for this one, we had a feeling this would be the lineup. I think on paper, based on who's fit, Rahul, might be even our strongest lineup at this point in time where we know what we're getting with our first quality left back at this point. A midfield three that's been relatively settled, I will say, with Enzo and Gallagher that have been Good scoring form-ish before the build-up to this game. And, and Jackson, I mean, he's been hit or miss this season, but you can see that he has the potential to get us a goal here and there, and you cannot have a starting lineup without Cole Palmer in there. So other than this, I think it was very good. What do you make of the kickoff, the build-up to the game? Were you feeling confident? Do you think that we started off well? Kind of give me your high-level synopsis of this one. Yeah, and the build-up to the game, I mean, I... I was expecting a tough game. We had played Liverpool maybe three weeks ago and and lost 4-1. So I did think that we would be better. Uh, we would come out and, and be tighter because uh, in that game away from home, we were, we were pretty open, especially in midfield. We got exploited. Uh, and then add to that that Liverpool's injury issues were being highlighted pretty, uh, pretty wide, uh, widely uh, amongst all media outlets. I still had some doubts because I felt most of their players would be back. Salah would be back. Nunez would be back. Trent would be back. Um, so even though we've covered our 11 when I saw their 11, my hopes went up a little bit. And I kind of view this game in maybe three or four different stages, which is up until Sunday morning and, and my feelings till then. Then my feelings after the lineups come out. Then my feelings during the game. And then my feelings after the game. So um, I kind of went through a roller coaster of emotions, to be honest. Um, and at certain points, I did feel that we were in a position to to take this cup. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen. And and 
I'm sure we'll discuss that. But just in the beginning, I, I it was what it, you'd expect from a final. KG, Liverpool came out stronger, yeah. started better. Um, but I think we grew into it a little bit uh, going into the first half. Yeah, and just to recap, I want to talk about no Salah, no Nunez, I think no Jota. In the midfield, they're still missing a couple of key players. At right back, no Trent. Their main goalkeeper, Allison, is missing. So you look through this starting eleven, right? And honestly, they're a good team, right, Rahul? And Jurgen Klopp has a way to pick maybe not his first team players, but he finds a way to get these guys to play to the best of their abilities. But you look at it and you go on paper, we can do something here. I'm not saying we're going to come out and right the wrongs of the four goals that Liverpool score, right? But we can compete now. We can actually go toe-to-toe with them and make something happen. But it just seems, just like you said, we... I don't know if we weren't up for it. We weren't grown for it. Maybe we weren't mature enough to understand that this team is there for the taking. And listen, I mean that with a lot of respect to Liverpool. I, I said, obviously, they're missing some key players. But that doesn't mean you look at this team sheet and go... Yeah, Caicedo, Enzo, and Gallagher can really do something here and boss this midfield. As far as attackers goes, sure, Luis Diaz is a fantastic player, but maybe between Gapko and Elliott, we can keep them quiet. And you look at that and you go, okay, you know, Van Dyke, fantastic. Konate is still fantastic. But the keeper, second choice, maybe we can hit him with a couple more shots and make it happen. But I got to say, Rahul, I'm looking at the game overall holistically, and I, I think Liverpool almost came together as a team, which seems to be Chelsea's biggest issue this season, right? We go hot and cold, and sometimes Conor Gallagher has a fantastic performance, and sometimes you'll get an amazing performance from Gusto, or De Sassi will wake up and play the game of his life, but it's all individuals that seem to save us at some time, and we're struggling to find this this cohesive togetherness, which, unfortunately for us, Jurgen Klopp has done a fantastic job of, of bringing into Liverpool overall from his first team to his youth team, which we'll talk about later in the segment. Yeah, you, you couldn't have said any better. It's it's almost a moment for Liverpool to say, we're up against it. We are the team with the injuries. We are the team with, with stopgap players. If you look at it, you're playing Elliot on the on the right wing. Um, you're playing uh, Gravenberg, who came in maybe as a as a backup, and Connor Bradley, who enjoys plays playing against Chelsea at this point. Um, and then Kelleher, which yeah, he is their cup goalie. He's done the business, but you'd expect if Allison is fit, he would be playing. Um, so I'm sure what Klopp did was just say, guys, this is this is the situation we're in. We're going to play the way we play, and whatever happens, happens. And on the other side, I think as I went through four stages, I think our team itself went through different stages where at a certain point, the team you could see did believe that they could yeah. get it done. But I don't think they came into this game with that belief. I don't think yeah. they started the game with that belief. And they certainly didn't end it with that belief. So um, questions about the squad, questions about leadership, questions about about manager, uh, instilling that belief, and just getting them to say, you keep doing what you're doing. I mean, you're playing up against a, a makeshift 11 here. They will give you opportunities, and you have to put them away. And, and you have to be fair. We did have those opportunities. We did have the chances. We just didn't put them away. Listen, I can think of this game, Rahul. You've talked about stages, but I can also think of this game in lucky and unlucky stages as well, right? And I want to talk about two maybe big moments that I remember in that first half, and they really came down to refereeing decisions. And I think I'll start with the lucky decision, right? And that's looking at Caicedo, 100 million pound player. He's been okay for us this season, but maybe not the player we thought we've seen 
in Brighton's shirt, right? He's not the exact same quality yet. Maybe he's nervous. Maybe the team itself has not gelled. But he puts in a horrific tackle on Gravenback. And I'm sitting in the bar with the rest of the supporters club. And I see it. And I said, that's a red card. End of game. End of final. Liverpool will take this. I'm shocked to see he doesn't walk away with a yellow card. And I think we get lucky there, right? That's part of the first half of luckiness. And I go, we need to understand how we got away with that. And other fans are going, I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll say, I'll take it. But you don't understand what a lifeline has been given to Chelsea and to Caicedo in this place. Because to be honest, he has been reckless on many an occasion. We've seen that this season. And on the flip side, we see Nicholas Jackson with a lovely run, a great through ball for him. He crosses it over to Raheem Sterling. He scores it. And... We are up screaming, yelling that we've got that first goal, right? And here's the unlucky side of the game where VAR looks at it. And I don't know what they're looking at, Rahul. I don't know if they're using some some micro millimeters that I cannot see, but he's called offside, obviously. And, you know, that kind of puts a damper on maybe what's our best spell in that game, which is where you say we're starting to believe that we can beat this Liverpool. So those are the two things that stood out to me in the first half. You want to share some comments on that? So I have a different feeling with that Caicedo incident tackle. When you play the game, things are happening very fast, right? And and he's closing down Gravenberg or Gravenback, whatever it is. Um, he's trying to get blocked the ball. He catches him. I'm not denying that he catches him. Uh, but when you watch it as slowed down and in a replay format where they're trying to show what happened, it does look bad. Now, luckily for us, as you said, VAR did slow it down, did look at it, but they concluded that that wasn't wasn't worthy of a red card or of violent conduct. And I don't think he meant it. I don't think he was actually trying to go in to hurt the player. He was trying to win the ball. You, that's Caicedo. He's he's feeling the pressure too, uh, because we're we're saying we spent all this money on him. We're in a cup final. Um, I thought. And it may be very small group of people that I belong with here. From what I watched, and 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 I had a couple of emergencies I had to take care of. But from what I watched, I thought he was he was winning the ball back. He was doing what we expect him to do. Uh, but again, it may have been certain moments that I ended up catching versus the 120 minutes where he he let us down. Um, and then, the, yeah, the Nicholas Jackson assist to Raheem Sterling, that was a moment that really had to go for us because the first goal, we get that, belief builds up, Liverpool maybe um, fall down a little in, in confidence and we kick on from there. But just like uh, two years ago with Lukaku's offside decision, here we go with another dodgy decision in a final that goes against us and the goal doesn't stand. Yeah, and I want, to, I want to be clear. A lot happened in that first half, right? There were chances for both sides. I think that their goalkeeper, Rahul, really stepped up to the plate for Liverpool specifically. I thought he came on clutch on a, a couple of really good saves. And, and maybe if you look at us, we maybe that goal is where we lost confidence. Maybe the fact that things were not going our way is where we lost confidence and we're starting to lose a little bit of belief. And I wonder, you're going into halftime, nil-nil. This Liverpool team is not full strength. Could have... Could Pochettino have done or said anything to make some changes to kind of wake us up a little bit? Yes, and I think he did because we did come out better in the second half. We did come out like the team that felt that we had to kick on from being at nil-nil. And you saw it from, and maybe that that was aided by some of the changes that Klopp made uh, into that second half. But I did think that we were 
finding our feet a little bit better. We were getting forward a little bit faster uh, and ultimately trying to get players forward to score the goal. He made the change with Sterling and Nkunku. Um, in hindsight, and I was talking about this on, on another podcast I did, maybe you start Jackson off the left and playing yeah. Kunku from the start because we've seen that that has worked uh, in the last few games. So Palmer goes up top, but really when we're attacking, it turns into a front two. Um, I think from Sterling scoring the previous week before uh, against City, that impacted maybe the mm. decision to play him because he did score a goal. He did. And in this game, he actually did score a goal too. It just was yeah. chalked off. Um, but apart from that, did Sterling really do much? I don't think so. So I don't know if that decision to start him was justified. Yeah, and I think we can look at him holistically this season and say he hasn't been the player that we thought he would be for the amount of money we spent. And obviously, we've spent hundreds of millions in other areas. And for Raheem Sterling, you can say it's a miserly 47, which is still not a cheap sum. And it's a Premier League proven player. And I, and I talked about it maybe offline with you about looking for leaders and someone who's in that 27, 28, 29 age range older and unfortunately, he's just not living up to the mark at this point. Is it all his fault? I, I don't know, Rahul. There's a lot of change. There's a lot of turmoil that's going on in Chelsea. And maybe he's just not able to assert himself. Maybe he's not in the starting lineup every week because there is competition for places, right? And it, and it makes it difficult. And we can harp on the Sterling thing all day long, but there are 11 players on the pitch, right? And it's hard to say it's because of one guy not stepping up or doing his job. And I do agree with you. I don't think he is. he has been the quality we need, especially in the big game. So... It's a difficult situation overall. But you did say we started that second half a lot better. I'm on the fence with that, right? Because we start, come out, and we look good. But 60 minutes into the game, Liverpool get a very, very good free kick. They find a way <laughs> to put it in the net. And and here's where luck comes back for us, Rahul. For me, that's a goal all day long. Virgil van Dijk has put it in the net. 1-0. Again, I'm saying Liverpool have ended this game. It's finished. <laughs> they are to the rescue. They find a way. And... Maybe you can explain to me. I don't, I don't know if you've had a chance to kind of analyze it. They say that one of the Liverpool players is blocking the run of the defender to stop uh, Van Dijk. But you tell me your feelings on that one. Uh, so I, I, from what I saw and read, it was Endo was offside. And that was the call that ended up going going for us. <laughs> uh, but I have to be honest, when I watched it and, and they said Van Dijk was offside, I was like, from what angle does this guy look <laughs> offside to them? But I took I took it. I was like, you know what? It's we've had enough decisions go against us um, that I will take this one. But when you look at it and the reason they did it, yeah. which was not Van Dyke, it was Endo. Um, yeah. It was the, it was the right call. But that was the wake up call that that defense needed because you had Van Dyke ending up against Chowell, and that's a mismatch any day of the week, especially in an aerial battle. Um, so that was the the, the wake-up call they needed. But we had a chance or a couple of chances before this where a certain Mr. Fernandez decides that he wants to backheel the ball into the net in the middle of the box versus maybe laying it off for a teammate or, or actually trying to control it and turn and shoot, which which bothers me because we talk about leaders, we talk about players that may not have done it at this level this man has played at the highest World Cup final level. And again, I, I go back to the Caicedo incident where I said things happen fast and you you make yeah. decisions quickly. But in in what world did he think a back heel was going to go in? Listen, I love that you brought this topic up, right? Because I think 
we can spend an entire episode unpacking the player that is Enzo Fernandez and what we've seen, what we expect, and what is actually happening. And I think if you look at it, Enzo is a product of the inconsistencies that Chelsea is going through. He's got ups, he's got downs, and honestly, when he's up, he's fantastic. And when he's down, Rahul, you wonder why he's in this starting eleven, right? And for this particular incident that you refer to, I'm kind of getting tired of, well, they're young and they're inexperienced and maybe they will learn or they'll do this. This is a big game. This is an important game. And I know I started off the segment saying it's a Mickey Mouse Cup and all this, but listen, for us, it's a big game. There were so many better options for him there. Ultimately, if he lays that off, do we score? I don't know. And, and, and I'll never get a chance to know, right? Because he's made this decision. And I, and I sat in the bar with a couple of the friends there and I said, Mario Balotelli did this. Of course, it was in preseason. Of course, it was more dramatic. And the entire world hounded him, saying how silly, how disrespectful. Obviously, it's a fast-paced game. Obviously, Enzo is trying to do what he can. But for a player of what we are told and what we've understood is maybe the next cream of the crop, the next big thing coming out of the young footballers that played in the World Cup, the decision-making there was so poor, in my opinion. And it's an opportunity to... Not score, again, I want to be clear, but make the right pass or make the right decision where you turn and take a shot. And I'll say all day long, at least he tried. It almost felt like he didn't care. And I'm not saying that's what happened, but it felt like he didn't care. And he just kind of swung a foot at it and said, ah, it didn't work. Here, Where do we go from here? Yeah, and, and maybe he's like, this is my moment to to be a hero in the cup final. But I, I was just watching it again when when you were speaking. And Raheem Sterling is right there. If he lays it to him, Sterling has the option of going left, right, either side of of the goalie. And at that point, I would like to think Raheem Sterling scores, uh, even though you know how I feel about him. So again, we'll never know if he would or he wouldn't, like you said. But it's just frustrating because we talk about lack of finishing. We talk about lack of of a finisher. But in in certain cases like this, it's just the lack of decision making or, or, or... not trying to be the hero and say, let me lay it off for my, my teammate because ultimately we're here to win the final. It doesn't matter who scores. Um, but again, it wasn't to be Van Dyke's goal wasn't to be in that moment. Uh, and we had tons of other chances going into towards the end of the second half. Yeah, listen, after the Van Dyke chance, Rahul, I distinctly remember a couple of very good chances. The one that sticks out to me is Conor Gallagher. He's been perfecting his late run into the box as of late. And I use the word perfecting loosely. I think he's done a good job of improving his chances of coming into the box. He finds himself in the box around the 75th minute, give or take. Uh, A lovely ball coming in from Malagusto. He connects with it and Rahul, it just trickles onto the post. And at that point, it comes back to this unlucky, lucky, are we in this situation where nothing is going to work for us today? What are we going to do? How do we get out of this situation? I talk about the Conor Gallagher situation or the Conor Gallagher miss, not because it was obviously one, it was a great, great opportunity that he did miss, but it was one of several that he had good opportunities for that just didn't shape up for him. Like I said, in the last few games, he's been very, very good for us. We'll talk about the next game later on in the segment where he actually scores a winning goal for us. This might be the overall question, maybe not a Conor Gallagher question, but did we just choke in this game? And I know we've talked about maybe some pundits out there that have called us bottle jobs and a billion pound bottle jobs, whatever you want to call it. Is that what happens in this game? Yeah. I mean, this, this it's, 
based on the chances we had, if you look at the XG at the 90, 90 minutes, we had 2.05 and Liverpool had 1.46. So that tells you we should have scored at least twice and Liverpool maybe a goal. I'm not going to say goal and a half. Um, and Connor, it just happened to be felt. Those chances just fell to him and, and he hits the post. He's hits the goalie. He's then one-on-one at a certain point where Palmer plays him in and, and Connor makes a brilliant run. And it's, I think he just couldn't decide, do I shoot first time? Do I, do I take another touch? And by then the goalie, you got to give him credit and closes the angle, comes forward and ultimately the ball hits him and, and the chance is gone. And it's one of those things where Connor could have done this a million times in training, but in a cup final in the middle of, of 90,000 people with probably towards the end of the game where one goal was going to win it. He, we just choked. We could, we couldn't get yeah. it done. And, and I think about another instance where we hit uh, Kelleher like six times Yeah, and we were right in front of goal and <laughs> Gusto hits him and Kunku hits him. Palmer, Palmer hits him. Yeah. I think Connor hit him at 1.2 and it's like, yes, we choked, but I think we were also just, unlucky and and the goalie put on a really good show and it really does come down to a lot of praise for keller right and i think that's where i started the segment is i don't want to take anything away from this liverpool team because regardless of if their first team is missing i think the people that are on the pitch came to play ball they came to get the business done they came to show their fans that they're not going to give up they're going to keep trying and it's kind of getting annoying as chelsea fans to see the the jurgen klopp farewell tour where everything seems to be going <laughs> His way, but listen, we knew that was going to be a situation, right, Rahul? We knew that the Liverpool fans, the Liverpool players, even the ones that are not first team, are all galvanized to make sure that the farewell tour goes as good as it possibly can. And unfortunately, it is. But I look at a few more incidents, right? And and forget the gameplay for a minute. We go into extra time, and honestly, Rahul, for the first 10, 15 minutes of extra time, I thought Liverpool were trying to peg us in, but we were finding a way to keep up with the pressure. I thought we were going to be able to come out of it. Petrovic has made some great staves. Liverpool bring on some youngsters. And you start to wonder, the senior guys that are left on their side have come off. Liverpool has brought some youngsters. And again, I want to be very careful, full respect to them. But are they now there for even more of the taking? But it almost felt, and I think it's come out since then that Pochettino said, we felt as a team we wanted to go to penalties. I want to get your feelings on this because to me that seems almost ridiculous that we would accept that a Liverpool team that has four, five, six youngsters who, by the way, have not played 10, 15 games in the Premier League. <laughs> They've barely made their debuts. They just came from high school finishing off their exam the night before. What, what are your thoughts on the fact that we decided to sit back? It's... I'm never going to know why we made that decision because we ended the, the the 90 minutes on a high. We ended the 90 minutes feeling like we're now in charge. We're the team that feels confident to go on and, and win this trophy. And you said 10, 15 games. Those kids haven't even played 10, 15 minutes of Premier League football this season. So they <laughs> they came on, they got the opportunity and credit to them and credit to Klopp for, for, for trusting them and believing them and yeah. giving them that, that opportunity. And you could see that there just seemed like a sense of we're here, we'll make the most of it, and whatever happens, happens. You could see even at the end of 90 minutes when uh, the players are, are huddled together and the managers are giving them instructions, Klopp just seemed very relaxed. Klopp just seemed like 
go go out and do and and your best boys and and it is what it is and within the chelsea camp you could see pochettino was serious he was giving instructions players were getting massages and the feeling just didn't feel feel right looking at it and 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 as a, as a supporter of chelsea you're listening to the the commentators who are basically pointing that out too and you're saying yeah yeah like it is what it is where i i don't want to believe it that we're we're nervous or we're feeling the pressure but maybe we did. Maybe we felt the pressure. Maybe we felt that that we don't want to be favorites here. We want to be yeah. the underdogs that that play the big teams and and then pull out a result. And I don't know why we we went the way we did in, in extra time because that almost takes more energy and concentration and effort than just saying let's go out and play our game and, and try to get that goal. And listen, it may come full circle, Rahul, where I said while some fans, myself included, may say this is a Mickey Mouse Cup for Mauricio Pochettino, for these players. It could have been a big, important moment. And maybe the moment, the event, the fact that it's a final has gotten to them. We talked about them choking. It's that it's the situation where going to penalties almost felt like the safer option than conceding the goal. And you and I know as football fans, when you sit back and defend, unless you're that, that Chelsea team of 2012 where my goodness, everything went our way and we knew how to lock down a Bayern Munich team. It doesn't work for 99% of the teams out there. When you're going to sit that deep, you're not going to allow any respite to your players. You're going to lose a moment of concentration. And for me, after sitting through a game for 118-odd minutes, 117-odd minutes, to lose in the form of a header that I I, I don't think... You can sit there and point at player one, player two, player three, but I, I think it's one of those where it was coming and... It's a header that was gracefully taken, beautifully put in the corner. It, it almost sours Petrovic, who had done so well for us in the game as well. It was very painful to lose that way. I would have almost decided or I would have preferred to go down swinging where we score one, they score one, and then they win in the second, you know, 19th minute. And we go, yeah, it was a 2-1 fantastically fought final versus I felt like we gave up before we lost. And I know ultimately that's not what happened, but that's my feeling that I take away from this game. Yeah, we we definitely did, and and that that goal that we concede basically shows that we were tired, we were exhausted mentally and physically because Liverpool saw it as a as an opportunity. Let's just let's just put the ball in, and we'll see what happens. We have Van Dyke in there, which honestly at that point was one of two senior players. Everyone else yeah. was was a, a youngster or someone that isn't part of their starting eleven. And we had at that point three center backs. Chaloba had come on, Disasi was on, Kowal was on. But need, not one of them. And Chowal was off, obviously, at that point. Connor Gallagher was off. Enzo had taken the armband. Not one person in our in our in our squad said, Who's marking Van Dyke? And I get yeah. that maybe it's zonal and, and you you put players in the zone and then you don't go man to man. But it's 118th minute of the final. I don't care what Pochettino has been telling you to do all season. That moment you say, one of you center backs just stay with Van Dyke. And it just, that really, it just, that's what disappoint. I, I don't care whether we lost. We've lost finals before. Yeah. We've lost games before. It's the way we did it. We, we, we basically just let it get out of our hands. Yep. And then to concede a, a corner and concede a goal from the corner where, we didn't mark the biggest threat from Liverpool. Just 
it just just really disappointed me and broke my heart um, because I've seen us be crap and lose games for the last 18 months. But in this <laughs> moment, I really expected that we would just step up to the plate and say, if we're playing for penalties, we're almost there. Let's just get there. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I can hear the passion in your voice. I can hear the disappointment in your voice, which I keep harping on the fact that this is a Carabao Cup and us as Chelsea fans of 25 years would not care about losing a Carabao Cup because it's it's for the youth. It's for the youngsters to show what they can do. But listen, Rahul, our entire squad is made of youngsters. And so for us, it was important. But there's an important question to ask here. And I, and I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, right? But Pochettino has not won a trophy in England. There's a lot of pressure on him, maybe on himself, to get that ducked off. It was where we felt like we accepted the defeat. I've said that before. I'm going to repeat that again. I'm not advocating Pochettino out. In fact, I'm very far away from that at this point. I think that he needs to carry us to the end of the season at the very least. In fact, if there's not nothing better on the market, he may need that second season to build the confidence and go from there. But Rahul, is he the guy from what you've seen? And I think there's enough to see right now. Is he the guy that's going to be that killer, that serial winner? And I'm not, again, I, I say this very cautiously. I'm not advocating to bring Jose Mourinho back, but is he going to be that Jose Mourinho that goes to the final and does whatever dirty tactic he has to do, has to poke a guy in the eye to win a game. I just don't feel that from him at this point in time. I feel like he's a step up from Graham Potter, don't get me wrong, but I, I don't feel that the ruthlessness from, from him, he's almost ready to to accept defeat, come up with an excuse and say we're a young squad. And again, you keep repeating the same excuse. It gets old after a while. It's, it's a great question. And I... I haven't once yet said Pochettino out because I do realize it's 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 a difficult job he's taken. It's a difficult it's a job, job yeah. he's he's found himself in. And if we sack him, I don't know where we go next. Yes, Jose Mourinho is a name out there, but I look at our squad and I say, does Jose Mourinho come in and 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 do anything for the youngsters? We've seen Jose Mourinho come in and take players that. We're a little more mature in the first stint yeah. and get them to the next level. He came back and he had the likes of Lampard there. He still had Mikel there. He got Terry back back to where, where we wanted him to be, even though he was later in his career. And then he had the little pieces of Hazard and Oscar and and and, and some of the other guys that, that were younger. I I don't know if Jose Mourinho can do it this time around with, with this squad, unless we say, you know what, we're just going to spend more money, which I don't know how yeah. we'll do. Uh, but coming back to Pochettino, I I don't think so. To answer your question, I don't think so that he is the guy to take us to the trophies and, and get us where we want to be. But he did get us to a final. Now, some people may yeah. say you played easier teams, you had an easier route to the final. That's all well and true, but you had to beat those teams to get there. And yeah. at the end of the day, we only lost one nil in the final to a team that's way further ahead yes the players were different but as a as a group as a club they're way further ahead than us um but then when he comes out and says well we were playing for penalties i'm like why why were yeah. you playing like where did you feel that we were lacking and he obviously has the insight and the background to it way more than we do but it almost comes back to potter where he'd be like the boys gave it their all <laughs> and Pochettino was like, well, we were playing for penalties and we're a young squad and we were tired. I'm like, Liverpool played midweek, dude. <laughs> they had a game midweek. We were off the whole week and we were waiting for this game. Like, why were the players tired? And yeah. anyway, so 
I don't think so, but I also don't think we should just be firing him for the sake of saying, well, you lost in the final and we haven't we haven't seen progress because there has been progress. Yeah. Listen, it's it's a very tough conversation. I think more to come on this topic as the season progresses. And I, and I think one big topic we need to reserve for the future episodes is does this team need to start signing some experience, some leadership? Maybe that's what we need in these big games to kind of settle educate and guide people as we go through it. But Rahul, in the interest of time, we've lost our little Mickey Mouse cup, the cup that we really wanted, the cup that would set the standard for the rest of the season. But we cannot cry over spilled milk. Games come thick and fast, and we had to move on. And we had to play Dirty Leads. Ironically, Dirty Leads today, it's been very busy. And Rahul, before the game started, we had to make a couple of predictions. I thought that we would bounce back. You thought we would lose, which you were perfectly in your right to think so. And lo and behold, I'm sitting at work and I get a text from you and we were losing 1-0 quick and early <laughs> on. So why don't you walk me through the starting 11 of this game, my friend? Yeah, so, I mean, changes were made, changes were expected, but not as many as we would we would have made otherwise because we do have injuries, we do have players yeah. missing. Um, so Sanchez is back in gold for, for this game. He's <laughs> been missing for a few months. Gusto at right back, Disasi Chaloba, and Alfie Gilchrist as a left back. Our midfield that never changes and can't change is Caicedo and Enzo Fernandez. Madueke came in, Mudrik in the number 10, Raheem Sterling on the left, and Jackson up top. Rahul, I have a question for you right off the bat, and we'll keep this discussion very short. I understand and appreciate the need to rotate. Obviously, Chelsea have injuries. We have a smaller squad, so some people will pick. Do you think it was necessary to rotate the goalkeeper? I think Petrovic has been absolutely fantastic for us. I have to be honest. I know he's conceded a lot of goals, but I don't think a lot of those have been his fault necessarily. What are your thoughts on trying to bring Robert Sanchez back into the mix? Is it just that he gets some game time? Or are we trying to see Pochettino tinker with the squad and bring Sanchez back into being number one? I guess that's my big concern here. It's a, from my perspective and my hopes are just a a opportunity to give Sanchez some minutes because I don't think Petrovic was tired from Sunday, no. <laughs> um, but it's just an opportunity to to rotate, give Petrovic the night off. Um, yep. Not that he was off because he was on the bench, and see what Sanchez can bring back to the to the squad. So hopefully that's all it is because it would be a very interesting question about morale and maybe decision making if we would see Petrovic drop I think he's slowly but surely becoming more of a fan favorite so that was a very interesting discussion there Rahul we had three left backs when the season began and I can even throw Levi Colwell <laughs> we made some questionable decisions obviously Alfie Gilchrist I think he's been good whenever he's come on what are your thoughts of him at left back I mean, it, having watched the game, it wasn't the right move for him. I think he's maybe suited at right back. Uh, but also, I think the event or the occasion may have gotten to him a little bit because he was getting caught out. He was a little too fired up. Um, yep. And and it took him a little bit to settle in, but ultimately the switch was made, and, and I think that was the right decision. And like how you're being politically correct there and trying to avoid. He's, the he's a young. He's he's a young guy. I got. I don't want to like. Around, not around Alfie, but around the fact that we started the season with three three left backs oh, yes. plus 
Levi Colwell, and we found our way with a center back playing left back and a young center back at that. Well, so. even when we had three, we were seeing a center back play left back. So, <laughs> so last question about the starting eleven because it's an interesting one. Mudrick has not lived up to his potential. That's fair to say. I think he struggled to get minutes. There are a lot of Chelsea fans, Rahul, when we've gone for. Uh, the Blues Day, we talked to a lot of fans that do believe Mudrik will come good. They do believe that we've got a gem in here. Uh, I have to be honest, I haven't seen that yet. Initially, I, I maybe would have been on the hype train and said, he's young, he's fast, he's exciting, but he definitely has not shown me anything that says he's the next big thing. Their flashes are brilliant, and so I hope to see him develop on that. He got the chance in the number 10 role today, Raul. Not just a shirt, but actually paying behind the striker in, in the form of Nicholas Jackson. We'll talk about his goal later on. What do you make of him moving more centrally? Do you think that this is a chance for him to kind of get a little more involved in the football rather than just kind of hanging out on the wing by himself? Yeah, I mean, it was a chance and he did get a goal, but I I, I struggle with him. <laughs> I struggle with him because I, I do feel bad for him. I do feel yeah. with everything going on in this country and, and some of the thoughts that he may have, he moved to to Chelsea when he wanted to go somewhere else. But it's now been over a year. Yeah. And I have seen very brief flashes of what this man can do. And I'm still waiting. I'm waiting for it to, to happen on a more regular basis. People make the argument, well, he doesn't start. He doesn't get a chance. He doesn't get a run of games. What have you seen? And maybe you have to educate me. My question is to these folks, not to you. That says he should be starting ahead of Jackson or Sterling, and and for me to advocate for Sterling to start yeah. really means means something, because you look at Cole Palmer and he came in, started off slow, wasn't given a start right away, but he's become one of the first names on the team sheet. Mudrik needs to do the same thing when he's given given these opportunities. I didn't see enough today. He ultimately got subbed. Yep, that tells you what what Pochettino felt about him. He got subbed, and did he make the most of his opportunity? I don't think so, and he's not going to be starting the next game. And listen, let me say this, and, and this is not me hating on Mikhail Mudrik, right? I think there are a lot of factors that go into what are going on, what is going on, Rahul. But a 21-year-old Aiden Hazard joined Chelsea. He was 21, got the business done. Juan Mata was 22-23 when he came in, and he lit the Premier League uh, alight. You talk about... Oscar, who came in from Brazil, didn't speak the language, 18, 19 years old, got the business done. I, I go further back and I look at maybe the players that were signed, Alassana Diara, who was 19, and, and although he didn't play a lot for us, was making the business done. A Solomon Kalou, who came when he was 19. Uh, uh, John Mikel Obi, who went through a transfer wrangle, Rahul, between Manchester City <laughs> and Chelsea, came at 18. And, and I'm not saying they came in on day one. Or maybe maybe Eden Hazard is the exception to the, to the rule there. But I'm not saying they came in on day one and they made things happen. But I was careful to mention their ages because I'm looking at Mudrik and we keep making the excuse that he's young. And sure, there are other things going on, but he, he's 23 years old. He's now at the age of 23 years old, which a lot of players are now getting into what is my favorite position? What is my tactics that I bring to this team? What are the goals I can score? What are the assists I can score? I feel like Chelsea fans are, are divided and some of us are, he's not it. And the other ones of us want to wrap him in cotton wool and say, he's a, he's a protected little player. Eventually he'll come good. I think at some point, I don't know where, there has to be a little bit of tough love. And my final word on this is I feel like the step from the Ukrainian league to directly to Chelsea where the pressures are high and you need to win every week and you need to perform 
maybe was a bit too much to him. I feel like he's one that will benefit from a loan that can get the eyes off of him, the pressure off him. And, and you look at the likes of Palmer, like you said. Rahul, you look at the likes of Nani Madueke, who I think he's 22, who was unfavored by Pochettino for the longest time. And now he's getting into the mix, scoring goals, getting assists. So it's a tough one. I don't want to st- spend too long on it. I want to dive into the game and dissect it a little bit there. But we talked about it. I get a quick text from you. 1-0 to Leeds. How are you feeling when we go 1-0 down there? That my prediction is going to come true. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you thought that we were going to lose this game and there was no way back, right? Well, yes, because we lost the final. So a lot has been made of, of the bottle jobs from since then. And the pressure was on. Leeds were coming into this with a good win over, over the weekend against uh, Leicester. And we concede the first goal, not because Leeds created themselves, but simply because we forced it. We wanted to play out of the back and we made a mistake. And I, if I'm right, we did something very similar a few seasons ago and it was Patrick Bamford who scored. So we, we haven't learned and Leeds have learned that they can just press us and, and force us into making a mistake right in our own box. And you go one nil down and it's suddenly the pressure is even higher. You know how Stanford Bridge gets when we, we concede and it's, it's suddenly everyone's feeling stressed. Everyone's feeling nervous and we don't need that. We don't need that at this point, but we create our own issues. Rahul, it was very Sunday football, if I have to be very honest. It's the point where you and I have talked about it, and I understand modern football is playing out from the back. When we line up to take this kick, Leeds is on the edge of our penalty box with three or four guys, and I'm looking at this and I'm going, it wouldn't kill us to just clear the freaking ball up the top of this and reset. Why are we trying to pin ourselves in? And I know you said we did this a few seasons ago. I think we've done this three or four times this season, namely the likes of Desasi, the likes of Madueke, the likes of Caicedo have got into trouble. And I hate to use this word, but we're trying to be a little too smart. Clear the ball, get it out, let's reset and go from there. And honestly, when you said that, I texted you back and I said, yeah, we're going to lose this game. It's over. But Rahul, Nicholas Jackson, another one that divides opinion, he found a way to be effective in this game. He found a way to slot the ball, and I thought his finish was absolutely clinical. Uh, he now brings his tally to 10 goals for the season. I know we're looking for strikers that are going to get us that 20-25 goal mark for the season. First season in England, he's got a couple of penalties, a hat-trick against a smaller team. 10 <laughs> goals is not bad. I know we need, we, need to, we need to be honest with ourselves, but 10 goals is not terrible for the season for him, and we're still about half, halfway through. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go back to that first goal we conceded. A lot of yeah. people are going to blame Caicedo, but that ball from Disasi. That's a shock. If I was Caicedo, I would. I wouldn't. I don't even want to say what I'd be doing to him. So, um, anyway, going on to Nicholas Jackson. Yeah, look, it's been it's been a tough one with him because when you play the position for Chelsea as as the number nine or as the forward, you're immediately expected to deliver like Drogba. You immediately expected to deliver like a Hasselbank or or um, a Diego Costa. Mm-hmm. And that's not where Jackson is at this point. He's coming off of six good months at Villarreal. We bought him. We said, you're our guy. We're going to put you up front. And for how critical we've been of him in that final against Liverpool, he did have moments where... Yeah. He was dragging the defenders out wide. He was he was making things happen and, and trying to bring players into it. But then he was also being 
silly with certain things he was doing where he's one-on-one or has the the ability to run into goal and he just can't control it and you're like come on man um so i think that's the frustrating part of it and then not scoring and picking up silly yellows adds to all of the frustrations that us fans have but in this moment that was a beautiful moment that he created with with Caicedo who gives it right back to him and then he finishes it because I'm like this this he's just gonna put this wide or he's gonna hit the goalie a really good finish and I'm like there is something in there that that can be you know used to unlock defenders and used to unlock um a, a goal so a great moment for him and I'd love to see that more often yeah, and he's one Rahul that's taking his chances, and I mean that quite literally. I think while we expect him to score more goals, there there are a lot more misses than our finishes. But when he is finishing, he's showing you the little flash that if maybe they harness some of the the silliness or the behavior or the excitement, maybe I should say, because when he smashes a ball, you can tell he's very eager to please Chelsea fans. And he said this, Rahul, we got a chance to meet him in preseason. And he said this, I, I want to please the Chelsea fans. I want to show them what I can be. And people have talked about him being Drogba. And he said, I'm not Drogba, but I will bring, be Nicholas Jackson. I want to be who I can be. So he's found ways to maybe alleviate some of the pressure of being compared to Drogba, or the striker curse. Uh, and 10 goals, while it's not a huge tally for us, we're also sitting in 10th. And he's helping <laughs> us build up to, to this level. So... I'm pleased with him. I hope that he continues on this form. If he gets to that 12-15 mark, I've always said that was Didier Drogba's first season in England was about 12 or 15 goals. So he's on par, and hopefully he can build on it from here. Uh, and then we kind of we can kind of work our way out of that. But uh, one one at that point, and uh, Rahul, I think I get a little excited when I get another text from you, and I'm surprised because we were bashing Mudrik through text messages saying, <laughs> "What does he bring to the team? How is he going to help? Should we get him off? Why is he starting?" He finds a way to get a goal, and I know it comes through the form of a lovely ball from Raheem Sterling, and he slots it at home. Were you pleased with that? Is it Was it a difficult goal for him to score, or was it one you want to say, I need to see more of that from Mudrik? I need to see more of that from, from Raheem and Mudrik. Oh, and and, and, and Madueke, to be honest, because he, yeah. he drives into, into um, the attacking third, gives it off to Gusto, gives it to Sterling, and it comes back to Mudrik, and, and he finishes it. And I do have to say Mudrik has been unlucky in certain cases because a very similar thing would end up going wide. Mm. And he doesn't stop making the runs. He doesn't stop working for it. And he gets rewarded in this situation, which I truly was happy for him. And am, I am happy for him right now. Uh, but they all need to be doing it more often and doing it on a more consistent basis because you can do it now and then you don't have to wait another eight weeks to do it again. <laughs> Um, so it's a very fair point, yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm happy for him. I'm glad we we showed the character and the resilience to come back from that silly moment that we created in the first half. Um, but we should be doing it more often. And one thing I'll touch on, Rahul, when Jackson scores, he has the I want to say maturity to not worry about celebrating. He takes, he says, "Let's go, let's go and get the second one." Right, and I think. He's showing a little bit of, I don't want to use the word leadership because I don't think that's what he's doing, but I think he's hes giving me a little bit of determination and grit that he wants to go ahead and get that second goal. When Mudrik scores, however, Rahul, you can see all of the Chelsea boys come and huddle him and give him the love and support. And it's a nice scene there because while we spend a few minutes criticizing him and saying he needs to do better or he needs to find a way, 
you can clearly see whether or not he says this, whether anybody will tell the, tell you this, how much the goal means to him, how much it kind of takes some pressure off of him that he's able to contribute. And frankly, the boys are saying maybe he needed that. Maybe it's a situation where, to your point, Rahul, he can take this and build on it. Will he actually do it? I cannot comment about that. But the fact that he's able to get one, you can see how much it meant to not just him, but the rest of the team saying, okay, Mudrik is here. He's got a goal. Hopefully that takes whatever he's feeling off of his chest and he can go on from here. Yeah, Mudrik needs to express himself more with, with his movement, with his touches, with his goals. Because I do think there's a talent in there. It just hasn't come out on a consistent basis for him. And and things haven't also worked out, so he has been unlucky in certain cases. Yeah, absolutely. So we take that 2-1 into to the first half. We're coming into the second half. We're not, we're not breaking down too much going on in this game, Rahul, but we come up in the 58th minute and we concede a goal from a header. Do you think it's a little too easy? Do you think we lose our man? We're not focused? It's one of those where I talked about it in the Carabao Cup. What can Poch do to wake them up? You said, I think he does. What does he do in this game where we almost go to sleep after 10, 15 minutes of coming back in the second half? This second half was Chelsea in extra time against Liverpool because I we did not kick on. We did not do anything to come back into the second half and say, let's kill this game early. Let's kill this game, make it 3-1. We just let Leeds grow into it. We let Leeds grow into it, control possession, create what they wanted to create and ultimately get the, the equalizer. And again, it's one of those things where you've done the hard work to get ahead. You've done the hard work to 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 make leads doubt themselves a little bit. And you've just easily given it up. Um, it's just, I, I don't I don't think, and then you have to sit back and think about it and say, did Pochettino really just tell them to sit off? Because why would you do that as a manager? Why would you tell your players to sit off and, and let's defend our goal? Because you said it in the segment when we were talking about Liverpool, you can't defend just for 90 minutes and say, we're ahead, we'll just win this now. Because you don't have the players or the system to do it. Listen, it's so strange to me because with all due respect to Leeds, it's a Premier League team that we are fighting against a championship team in this case. And if the message is to sit back and defend, the message is completely wrong in my opinion. I cannot understand why we do that. And, and I'm watching this game, Rahul, and I'm seeing that Leeds are enjoying that we're sitting back because the game gets a little more scrappy, a little more nasty. And for them, they're enjoying that. It's not the part of the Chelsea versus Leeds that we can talk about. Yeah, it's dirty Leeds and we want it to be nasty or dirty. They want it to be a physical altercation. They want it to be broken football so we cannot flow. There are parts of this game and there are parts of the Liverpool game and parts of the other game. Chelsea plays some beautiful football, the one-two touches, the release, the quick runs up with Gusto and across. But when we when we allow leads to grow into the game and they come in and they bully us or they push us or they, they leave a dirty leg in, we then get sucked into that. You can see Caicedo making dirty tackles and you can see Alfie Gilchrist and Chaloba sliding in and doing things. And it's, it's playing into Leeds' hands where they go, you guys can do this all day long. It's 2-2, keep breaking up play, keep slowing it down. We will take this. And it's a question that Pochettino needs to look at and understand and analyze is this is not what he wants, I don't think. He wants free-flowing, fast football. And if he's going to play into to a championship team and say, yeah, it's okay for us to break plays, sit back and allow them to come to us, I feel like there's something missing the mark over here. I, I, I 100% agree with you. And, and that second goal, if you pause it right when um, the Leeds guy is about to cross – 
you can see that this is something that teams are doing against us, which is sending two players into the box or sending players in between our center backs and then one behind and putting in crosses. And and I think back to Man City where we conceded the first goal because Holland finds himself against Kukurea. And that should never happen. But people are peeling off. They're exploiting the space between the left-sided center back and the left back. And it's paying off. You're getting you're getting a header or you're getting a penalty out of it or you're getting an opportunity to to get a corner out of it. And that's something where I think Pochettino needs to look at it and say one of the midfielders needs to drop in or, drop or have back, yeah. the, the awareness to track the runner from deep because this is just too easy. And again, with full respect to Leeds, you almost expect this at the Premier League level, Rahul. But when championship teams are doing this against Chelsea, it means that coaching wise tactically wise we're missing something glaringly obvious which is which is definitely a concern for me but we've harped on on some negatives i want to talk about the winning goal that comes in the 90th minute i've already talked about how scrappy dirty the game is enzo finds a way to carry this ball forward rahul and he he wasn't fantastic in this game i'll be honest but he finds a way to carry this ball forward slots it into nobody else but conor gallagher who i said i've been finding a way to time his runs be in the box Tell me about this turn and this finish from our midfielder who who looked like a beautiful number nine striker for us over there. If only he had that on Sunday. <laughs> I no, can see no. you're still hung up about Sunday, but yes, we need we did talk about Leeds today. <laughs> he well, he had one opportunity, he scored one. I'm like, this if you had done that on Sunday, my guy, we would not be having what, one out of six you would, you would have taken that, right? Um, but no, it's so in that build-up to that, uh, Enzo plays it first time into Jackson. This is what I'm talking about when I say Jackson is frustrating. He just pings it back back in from where it came from, hoping that Connor Gallagher can control a loose ball, which is bouncing. And yeah. that's where I'm frustrated with Jackson. I'm like, why don't you touch it or try to turn or lay it off and so just willy-nilly lay laid back and see who gets yeah, it yeah. but credit to enzo he picks up the loose ball drives forward and then even more credit to to conor gallagher to make that run take the ball on the turn and then finish it because it, we were headed for extra time we were headed yeah. for another 30 minutes which if we had made it to that i don't know if we would have come out of this with a win it's a very fair assessment you you saw us trying to sit deep and i wonder if the message would have been the same let's sit deep and hope let's let's play for penalties (laughs) which i definitely would have not wanted so no all the credit to again i said enzo was not fantastic in this game but all the credit to him to do that driving and rahul i gotta say the turn from conor gallagher i know we keep repeating it but it's absolutely fantastic he needs to go in the training ground with nicholas jackson and show him how to make that turn because we've seen jackson with his back to goal he's not as effective but if he can turn like this and finish like this, my goodness, what a wonderful season we're set up for. So uh, in the interest of time, wrapping up thoughts on this one before we move up to the build-up for the next game. A win is a win is a win. <laughs> but <laughs> we, I think we need to be playing a little bit better against these championship sides, which we have again in the next round. Yeah, listen, we progress. We're moving forward and we're going to play Leicester next, which it's not going to be an easy task for us. So uh, it's sad for me to say it's not going to be an easy task because... Playing a championship team, again, with full respect, we should be finding a way to get the business done and, and get the business done easily, in my opinion. But it's the nature of where we are as Chelsea as Chelsea as a team and Chelsea fans. So we live and we learn. Rahul, let's build up and move forward to Brentford, 
What can you tell me about Brentford? I know you always have some interesting. <laughs> In fact, I need to share this with the listeners. I'm getting text messages from Rahul, which usually the opposite happens. He tells me Leeds have never beat Chelsea. They've been absolutely fantastic. They've won yada, yada, yada. He comes up with his stats and for whatever reason or the other, Leeds find a way to beat us. It doesn't happen today, which is good news. So what can you share with me about Brentford, my friend? So we did play them earlier this season in the fall. We lost 2-0 at Stamford Bridge, and they're looking to complete their second-ever league double over Chelsea, first since 1938-39. And when I go that far back, <laughs> you know you know generally what tends to happen. Oh Chelsea have won just one of their five Premier League meetings with Brentford, losing three of the last four. Uh, it's their lowest. It's our lowest win rate against any opponent we have faced more than five times. Uh, Chelsea have won each of their last four Premier League London Derby matches, as many as we had in the previous sixteen. So it's it's a mixed mixed build up here, at least in terms of of some of the stats. But it's an opportunity for us to to continue some good form, at least um, coming out of out of the final and even before the final, where we can pick up some points against a team that we should be beating. We really should, Rahul. They're a team that's sitting in 16th on the table. This is not the same Brentford that finished the season last year in 9th with 59 points. They really had a decent season last year. Obviously, they've been missing their striker, but he is back now, and he's not putting any bets on missing for the rest of the season. So we'll see how it goes for Ivan Tony here. Uh, Rahul, let's talk about the starting 11, predicted 11. Pochettino's talked about us being tired, maybe not having a big team to play with, but realistically... I think he's got to put his best team out and get the business done. We've got to start racking up some points in the Premier League because I don't see us winning any more trophies at this point. Uh, what's your starting eleven, my friend? Petrovic in goal. I don't know if Gusto starts. Um, okay. So if he doesn't, then Chaloba, Disasi, Kowal, Chowal, Enzo, Caicedo, Palmer, Connor. I can see you, you having know to think. You know what? I'm gonna go. So I said Palmer on the right. I'm gonna move him to the top, like we've seen in the in in the few games before we came into the final. Yep. Jackson off the left, and Madueke off the right. He's found a way to drop Raheem Sterling from his starting. <laughs> I have no big surprises there. But listen, I'm not I'm not mad about this this starting eleven. I think between Palmer and Jackson alternating, it seems to work in a couple of games. I don't think Palmer is as effective when he's playing from the top, but. It's an opportunity to see and give a chance to some of these guys who are performing and getting the goals done for us. So I'm happy with that. Let me push you, my friend. What is your score prediction for this particular game? Remember, they're in 16th. Has that mattered to Chelsea this season? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it definitely hasn't. And I was just doing 10 points away from them. So Ivan Tony is going to get a goal. So that's one for them. Can we score two? I don't know. <laughs> so I'm going to go for a 1-1. One, one. All right. He's going for a 1-1. One, one. I'm going to be my typical Mr. Optimistic. I do think we will concede a goal. Unfortunately, we're not keeping the clean sheets like we should. But I think we can get three goals in this game, Rahul. I think Nicholas Jackson wants to get one. I think maybe Nani Madureke is due a goal. And Cold Palmer, I haven't seen the celebration in a while where he's he's feeling it's the cold. chill. <laughs> Let, let's get the 3-1 and let's get the business done. But let's take us home, my friend. That wraps it up. It's been a while, Jackie. I'm glad we're, we're back. I'm glad we're able to do this, even though it wasn't about 
the most positive outcomes, but at least we did win today. And let's take that into the weekend. And we will be back with a new episode. But until then, stay safe and up the chels.